When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. That is the noise from what was at times a fantastic away end at the Allianz Arena. A better one still followed, I'm told, at Turf Moor on Saturday night. It looked and sounded a belter. In truth, United were poor in both games and came away with an infuriating 4-3 defeat in Bavaria, but a much-needed 1-0 victory at Burnley. On today's episode, it's just me, Harry Robinson, with my regular co-host Jack Tate, away from home for a couple of weeks. You can find his thoughts on Twitter at UTD Tate, that's T-I-T as always. But as for today's episode, what we're talking about well Bayern first Bayern Munich and Munich as a city itself and a shepherd's hut uh, which if you've not been listening might surprise you a little but we'll come on to that in a second then Burnley then the academy's three games recently uh, the under 18s and under 21s in the league but also the 19s in the UEFA Youth League at the FC Bayern campus we'll also talk an upcoming AFL trophy game against Bolton Wanderers on Tuesday night we'll talk about loans we'll talk about the matches against Palace in the Premier League and the League Cup and a little bit on my book as well so uh, let's get stuck in plenty to do on this slightly shortened episode because it's just me I don't want to be monologuing at you for too long but we'll begin with uh, Bayern Munich away It was a strange start to the day of Bayern Munich against Manchester United. I said, uh, give me a sec. And I, I looked out of the, uh, the peculiarly shaped, heart-shaped window that framed a, a brown-tinted green field out of this little wooden f- shack. And I looked down to find two rams who were snorting and butting their horns impatiently, attempting to join me in what was called, our Airbnb host told us, the toilet and house, the kind of outdoors toilet. Yeah, two rams butting in. And for a post-Octoberfest trip to the toilet the morning after, you, you require a decent amount of time. So it was a, a surprise. Oktoberfest was fantastic. We spoke about this with me and Jack and how this trip to Munich had its downfalls, namely in, in how expensive it was going to be for so many Manchester United fans because of Oktoberfest and the combination of factors. But it did then give the opportunity to go to Oktoberfest, which was, it's just a, a, a brilliant collection of happy people, aided, of course, by a constant flow of 6.2% beer. But it, it's also kind of like a rare kind of semi-tourist trap, which genuinely does meet your expectations and lives up to your hopes for it. And you don't feel like you're being consistently fleeced by whoever's organising it, which you, um, which you can have a lot. But as, uh, yeah, as for the accommodation, it was as a result of those enormous price hikes in, in travelling and accommodation that we stayed in the Shepherd's Hut. We bulked at the hotel and hostel prices, I think it was about 50 quid a night for a hostel, let alone a hotel. 
Uh, we also turned down the chance to stay in a tent near Oktoberfest, which for one night might have been okay, but for three, with some valuable belongings with us, including our flag and a couple of laptops for working on, didn't seem too sensible. And we were turned down by a couple of several, well, yeah, several Airbnbs who then increased their prices immediately after. And, and that led us to our fate in the Shepherd's Hut. It wasn't cheap, but it was certainly cheaper. And yeah, it, it provided an interesting start to the day, a couple of rams trying to join you in the toilet. But uh, the sheep were generally very friendly. When we stumbled back from Oktoberfest the night before, we were met with these kind of six black faces out of the near pitch black void that surrounded our hut and a couple of confused bears. Yeah, the sheep were friendly, sleeping beneath our hut, prodding its kind of wooden bottom occasionally as they rearranged themselves throughout the night, waking me up a few times, but quite a nice way to be woken up. And Munich as a whole was, was fantastic. It's a really kind of... Uh, a lovely city with amazing food and, and good drink, obviously, but also kind of big and, and busy, but with quite a relaxed feel to it. I don't know if that's true at all times of year outside Oktoberfest as well, because obviously that gives it a certain vibe with both tourists and Bavarians wandering around in their lederhosen. But it, it felt like a yeah a really nice vibe to it. Uh, and, and obviously for United fans, you've got Oktoberfest, you've got the game at the Allianz, but also an opportunity to go to Manchester Platz, which is a, is a pilgrimage of sorts for United fans. And it was the first time that I've been somewhere I've always wanted to go to. And I found a, I think quite a refreshingly unassuming and unpretentious memorial to the victims of the Munich air disaster. And it's, it's particularly nice because you go and you visit and you're surrounded by other United fans. And and that's kind of the, the key to it. It is a fan-led memorial. It's it's club supported, but that memorial has, over the decades, has really been kept going and maintained by football fans, not just United fans, but Bayern fans as well, purely out of, of love for the game and for those for those that died. So yeah, that, that was really nice to go to. And it, it was interesting, the kind of, that that theme of fan culture kept cropping up for this because of the differences and and similarities between United's fan groups and, and support and that of Bayern Munich. There was a great piece written by uh, Matt Ford, who's a, a mate I see on, on these European aways for The Guardian this week, which was titled Bayern fans show Manchester United a way for holding owners to account. And it's, it's a good point because Bayern's ultras are are organised and influential and at United it does feel as if the support's kind of core values are becoming less core than ever. We were um, stood in the away end on, on the Wednesday night and a banner reading no to Qatar was held up and unfurled in the away end uh, at full time and there was kind of active dissent from other supporters who went up to the lads holding the banner and said, do you want the Glazers to stay then? And the reply was, well, no, that's not what it says. It says no to Qatar. It doesn't say glazes in. And there, there can be debate around this and people can have their own opinions. I, people are allowed to think what, what, they, what they want to think, but I don't think any fan should prevent their kind of fellow supporters from having a voice and being allowed to express themselves. Debate's good, but the people kind of dissenting against that no to Qatar banner were seemed to not be keen for particularly well-engaged debate on it. They were just kind of sh shouting abuse at the at the lads who were holding it up. And it's a really interesting one, the, the differences in fan culture, because Bayern Munich are obviously aided to a great extent and backed up by regulations in German football, whereas United supporters, it's, it's the opposite. They're hamstrung by the lack of regulations in the English game and, and also by the fact that 
kind of the key active kind of political uh, section of United support who would protest against these things left in 2005, 18 years ago when the Glazers arrived and that, that part of the fan base, not all of them, but that part of the fan base, a lot of them went to form FC United and Manchester and stayed there and other people who have not been involved with United so much in recent years. And, and that was kind of the truth behind the 2021 match that was called off against Liverpool. It was fans who hadn't been involved for quite some time returning and showing just how how influential United support can be when well organised and, and when working together. As for the match itself, it was, uh, I said to my brother and my mates who I was there, was it felt like some kind of sick joke. And it, and it also felt to me like it represented United's last few weeks where the bad seemed to follow the good with such grim speed. You can hardly take a moment to enjoy the good bits. Like United started that game really well, I thought, and it was much like at Arsenal and at well, yeah, more like at Arsenal, less like at Spurs. It was great to see United having a, a certain sense of control on a game away from home against a, a top opposition. But then you, you're faced with this good start and then suddenly a goalkeeping mistake, mistake from the player who started the season well, in my opinion, and who I think is is a good signing. And not when you're expecting it, Not you're not expecting it from him, suddenly that and then... United clearly have a mental problem with maintaining focus after conceding. And I think this is something Marcus Rashford said. I can't remember if it was an interview before the Bayern game or after, but he said, when our game plan's disrupted, we're not good enough at coping with that at the moment. And I think that's abundantly clear. Uh, it's good that the players recognise that, but it's abundantly clear and it's something that needs to be sorted out. But you then get the fantastic to to get back into the game so soon after half-time and, and Rasmus Hoyland scoring, having had the, the misfortune of his goal being disallowed for, for the finest of margins against Brighton. Hoyland scoring, brilliant, but within a couple of minutes, bang, United are back chasing a two-goal deficit instead of one goal. And it, it, it's felt like this season, like a couple of good signings at the start of the window, then bang, the Mason Grimmer Palava. Uh, you make another good signing, a fantastic young player, you scrape past against Wolves, then bang, you lose to Tottenham. Then Anthony's faced with horrendous allegations that he then has to go and deal with. You, you play well at Arsenal, but face the tightest of VAR calls that stops you winning the game and instead you lose it 3-1. And then there's a hissy fit from one of your players who's then suspended and the manager speaks out against him. He speaks out against the player. There's been all of this all under the cloud as well of all of like the deliberation over the takeover. So it, it's been such a deflating season for United fans, I think. And this game in particular just felt like some kind of sick joker. And the second goes in to make it 3-2 and then back United at 4-2 behind. And you, I think I, I thought at the time, and I'm not saying this with hindsight, but I thought after Bayern scored the fourth, we are nailed on to score a third here just to rub in at how ridiculous a game this has been. So yeah, it, it, it was a really strange one and it took a while to, I think United was so weirdly in that I think United played pretty well in the first half but went in 2-0 down and played really poorly for most of the second half but won that half 3-1 it's just it kind of sums this season up I don't know what to make of United at the moment there are some positive things Hoyland is, is one of the key ones we'll come on to a couple of the positives about Burnley as well well from the Burnley game but there's so much that, that needs to be sorted um, yeah so much that needs to be sorted and, and in the aftermath of that that game tube or the Metro journey back you felt pretty bleak about United and about Ten Hag as well who who in that immediate aftermath felt under 
serious pressure. And the, the difficulty is, I think this is what we've spoken about, is that last season Ten Hag was held back by a variety of factors, but everything he did seemed to make his life easier. He was asserting his authority. And this season, there's been a few decisions from him that have held himself back rather than United holding holding him back as well, which is obviously still going on as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm really glad got the, the much needed win at Burnley to take some of that pressure off and hopefully there'll be a, a couple of uh, wins against Crystal Palace to, to really ease things. But yeah, the circumstances he's working under are, are so difficult and the injuries at United are ridiculous at the moment. Um, there are positives out that buying game, but in the aftermath, it felt very difficult to find them. Hoyland was great. Anana is a concern. Um, I don't think a long-term concern, but you cannot be doing that. He he owned up to it post-match, which is good, but you just you just cannot be doing that on on the top stage. Uh, as for the Allianz Arena itself, uh, I mentioned in last week's episode how excited I was to see it. What a stadium! One of those that a bit like the San Siro, it, it kind of takes your breath away in its size. Even though the capacity is not so much bigger than Old Trafford, it for some reason it it just feels enormous and the walk to it which is a very long one for the away fans who are sent round by the railway track that it's a long walk but it's nice to have the view of the Allianz lit up in red fantastic stadium really really liked it okay little break and then we'll talk about Burnley Well, I mean, Burnley thank you to Johnny Evans to Bruno Fernandes and Hannibal in particular I think Uh, Evans starting a game for the first time for United since March 2015 as has been much publicised unlucky to have a disallowed goal for I think probably the right decision but unlucky nevertheless and then a fantastic assist for just a brilliant Bruno Fernandes finish it was so so good and a reminder of probably kind of a season's gone by where United have relied on that piece of individual brilliance from Fernandes to drag them to victory I think in the circumstances an ugly win is at Burnley on a Saturday night and an 8pm kickoff is very, very, very much acceptable. United were starting with Johnny Evans, our left back, who's our third choice left back who was brought in late on because our first two choice left backs were both received injuries, was ill, still started the game because we were in such kind of strife and and did well, Ricky on. So, so much going on in terms of injuries and that back four said it all of Evans, Reggion, Lindelof and Dallow. Your second choice right back, your third choice left back and fourth or maybe sixth choice centre backs. Plus, not you still can't start Amrabat, but it was good to see him make his debut. And, and your two right wingers who are both suspended or, or out of the, out of not available for selection for uh, very contrasting reasons. Plus, another intervention by VAR, which was even if correct, was was harsh in terms of the the momentum sapping impact it had on on United when it could have really got us going. Uh, so I don't think there's there's too many big conclusions to be taken out of the Burnley game, except it was absolutely a much needed victory, and I'm very relieved for Eric Ten Hag, and I imagine he is very relieved as well. So uh, Hannibal is worth mentioning uh, his second start for United, having scored against Brighton in kind of a, a pointless goal, but not pointless to him. Mean meant a lot to him. We spoke about that. But for for him to play ninety minutes in in that game and make real contributions, particularly at the end, showed some real maturity to win free kicks and kind of take the the energy out of the game. 
uh, when Burnley were looking for for the equaliser, and I thought it was a more mature performance from Hannibal than I've seen the Brighton game. I wasn't that that Hannibal didn't surprise me at all. A, a moment of quality with the goal and kind of hurrying around and harrying Brighton players and getting himself into little scraps here and there. There wasn't really any of that, but against Burnley, this was more about his his quality and his composure instead of just that aggression. And there was still that aggression to it and some some great tackles and, and energy to his game. But it this was a I was more, much more impressed with this performance, even though he didn't score a brilliant goal in it. We'll talk about the academy. Yeah, we'll talk about the academy now. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Happy, happy, happy! Ah. <sighs> Smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. This is the smell of a warm, three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a Hefty Ultra Strong trash bag with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> Smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. So, in terms of a quick briefing, the under-19s beaten 2-0 by Bayern Munich in the UEFA Youth League on Wednesday afternoon. The goals for Bayern from Robert Ramsack and Michael Scott, um, one in each half for them. United kind of caught playing out from the back a couple of times. That's been the case at several levels over the last two years. It's uh, probably an expected defeat away to Bayern uh, in the first game of the Youth League group stages. Bayern have a, a really good team and some, some fantastic players. They've not always performed in the Youth League in recent seasons but they've always had really good players and they played well in this game United came close to scoring a couple of times uh, Ethan Wheatley who was born in 2006 was probably the standout player Shay Lacey played as well but was quite quiet which is kind of expected I think given given his age and his physique whereas Ethan Wheatley who's uh, kind of similarly young but his physicality he's, he's not built but he's, he's tall and lanky he's got long legs and, and that helps him impress at a higher level. It's not why he looks good though, and that and that's a good point. His footwork and his balance and his pace uh, were, were all impressive against Bayern. And he, if he got on the ball a bit more, United probably uh, might have might have fared a bit better. The under 18s captain Philly McAllister scored an injury time winner in a three two win at Sunderland. He then travelled down to Burnley to watch the first teams win at Turf Moor on Saturday. He's a regular at home and away matches. I've seen him plenty of times. Sorry, at Barca away. Yeah, plenty of other places, but that's kind of a, a teenager's dream, isn't it? Captain United and scoring an injury time winner and then going to watch the first team away from home and, and win in the away end. It's pretty dreamy stuff. Uh, Under-21s fell to a 4-0 deficit at Carrington against Arsenal in a disappointing half-hour spell in the first half of their Premier League 2 game. United scored one just before half-time and Amari Forsen scored another for the Reds in the second half. Forson also hit the post twice during the game, once in each half. But the the key difference is United's second half was good. The first half or that half hour spell was really poor. The the difference was that when Arsenal dominated the game, they ripped through United. Whereas when United dominated, they created a few chances, but not with the same ruthlessness at all. And and Travis Binion said he was proud of the team over the ninety minutes, but really disappointed for that thirty minute spell. The good news from that game 
uh, was that Reese Bennett and Sam Murray both defenders Reese Bennett centre back who scored in the FA Youth Cup final and captain the team a couple of years ago Sam Murray who was also part about of that FA Youth Cup team they both returned from long term injury layoffs Reese Bennett was going to be involved with the first team in pre-season but got injured so it's great to see him back and they've both worked very hard for that also in academy news uh, there was a, a kind of an academy delegation sent to the Manchester Platz two Manchester Platz to the Munich Memorial and it's kind of a reminder I know how much the academy do around Munich it's the, the work they do is brilliant the education team and I often wonder whether the significance of Munich is truly appreciated in in all parts of United but working there uh, as a as a writer and, and reporter I have seen that in most departments it is genuinely seen as kind of the most significant date in the calendar. For example, like the programme team United Review always have one eye on how it can cover Munich differently, who it can pay tribute to this year that doesn't receive enough credit or who it can remember that is sometimes forgotten. And as part of that, a couple of years ago, I focused on what the academy do and learning about Munich is, is kind of a, it really is probably the core part of the education academy players receive United and, and staff as well is it's always made abundantly clear that the academy's following in the footsteps of the 58 team and of the coaches around that time and of Jimmy Murphy and late Eric Harrison and, and so on and I think there's also an awareness that the academy was the bedrock of the club in the aftermath of the crash and how important that is so I spent some time on one of the days where the under-13s in particular are the team that learn about Munich. Uh, they do a few months on it. They produce posters, write poems about it and all of that. And Jimmy Murphy Jr., son of the legendary assistant manager, Jimmy Murphy, the man who kept the red flag flying is is the is the motto or the phrase. Jimmy Murphy Jr. will go in and speak to the young academy players about it. And it's. I think what's lovely is to see genuinely how interested they are and how engaged they are because you can always think about kind of young footballers like, oh, but why would they care about this? But like, I remember seeing one when Jimmy Murphy Jr. was introduced as like Jimmy Murphy's son. Not everyone remembered who Jimmy Murphy was, but one of the kids like jaws dropped and was like, whoa. And I just thought that's, it's really nice that, um, that that still happens and it shows kind of the significance of of having that physical connection to the past which is going to be increasingly a struggle as the the people who remember the Munich Air disaster sadly sadly die out but the the projects the academy do around Munich is is fantastic in low news Alvaro Fernandez came off the bench in a 1-0 defeat for Granada against Las Palmas Charlie McNeil played 57 minutes for Stevenage in a win against Cheltenham and Will Fish played another 90 minutes for Hibernian earning a clean sheet in victory over St Johnston coming up this week United play Bolton Wanderers in the AFL Trophy on Tuesday night in a 7.45pm kickoff. That match clashes with the first team's game against Crystal Palace in the League Cup, which is a real shame. I know there'll be a lot of United fans who are actually skipping the first team game to go into the away end at Bolton, which is where United were knocked out of the competition last season in the uh, round of 16. It, it will be a really tough one that Bolton beat United 4-0 last season and are a very good team again near the top of League One. They've got some strength in reserve, which is probably where they'll be playing. They won't put a full strength team out, but they're they're a properly good team and United will struggle here, I think. If they can play at their best, they might give Bolton a bit of a game, but I think they'll struggle. As for the league at the weekend, the 18s play Newcastle United at Carrington, that game on MUTV, but the under-21s game not on MUTV. That's Saturday, uh, 12pm at Blackburn Rovers. Now, Crystal Palace, uh, two games coming up. Interesting point that James Nolan and Dan Gore were both involved with first team training on Monday. 
uh, a little bit on James Nolan that since won the academy he played really well in the AFL trophy game at Stockport I thought I don't think he'll be involved against Crystal Palace I don't think he's ready for it but I think he's making up the numbers because he's a fullback and so with Reggie O'Neill uh, he's, he's probably there to make up the numbers but a great experience for him Dan Gore someone we're more likely to see hopefully Hannibal will start as well and, and Ganacho having missed a couple of games will probably start in this one as well so United need to win this game they are defending champions of the League Cup and it's just important for momentum of course it is Crystal Palace have got a lot of injuries as well as United so I think we'll see two very kind of reserve teams in the League Cup game and, and the well the best teams that both clubs can put out in the Premier League game two wins would just be so so valuable and I think I think I'm confident that United can get them with Mason Mount back with Varane back not necessarily starting in the Tuesday game, but hopefully the Saturday with Amrabat now available to, to pick from with Hoyland it's playing well. I think that Hoyland Rashford partnership is is warming up. It's it's it needs work, and I, I think they're very aware of that. It was good to see Rashford talking about how the, the fact that they're doing work together, even without the coaching staff knowing, they're just trying to learn each other's games, and that's needed. Not all striking partnerships can just immediately click. Very few do, though there have been some, like uh, Cole and York, which which did, well, apparently did just click immediately. So I, th- I think those two will do really well together. It's clear that Rush is getting used to playing with a, a proper striker like Hoyland. But yeah, I'm really excited about Hoyland at the moment. I think he's, he started really well. Final thing, apart from to say, I hope United win against Crystal Palace, uh, and both games is uh, a small update on the book on my book The Men Who Made Manchester United that I've mentioned a couple of times on here thank you to everyone who's shared the book so far and an even greater thanks to those who have pre-ordered it it makes my day whenever I see anyone's kind of giving it a chance because it's a, a any kind of financial outlay is is much appreciated to to have your work kind of be bought by people is um, yeah it's a strange but really nice feeling um, but a small update the, the book's release date has been pushed back three weeks due to shipping issues caused by the recent disasters in Libya and Morocco, which is, uh, as I wrote in the newsletter, I, the weekly newsletter I do now, it's a timely reminder for anyone working in football to follow the advice of a well-known writer and to remember that very few things in sport are actually a disaster or a tragedy, which is worth remembering at Manchester United at the moment. But yeah, to those who have pre-ordered the book, um, sorry, but you'll have to wait a little bit longer. It's a little bit frustrating, but it gives me a little bit more time to prepare for his launch, which is good. So that's all for the Manchester United Weekly Podcast this week. Thank you for listening. I hope it's been enjoyable, despite it being me, just me and not Jack as well. I will be back next week, probably with a few clips from Jack and possibly with a guest as well. This one was a little bit short notice as I uh, only got back from Munich fairly recently and have been fairly work busy. But yeah, I hope you've enjoyed it and go into either the games against Crystal Palace. Enjoy them if you're watching from your sofas or in bars all around the world. I hope you enjoy it as well. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support as always. Have a great week. Goodbye. Podcast Network.